Matthew chapter 25, verse number one. I'll have a lengthy reading here tonight. We used to apologize for reading the word, but I don't think we should apologize for lengthy reading. One elder told a young man when he was starting his ministry, now remember this. He said, when you read the scripture publicly before you preach, read it clearly, read it and pronounce it correctly because it may be the only thing that people get out of the service. So I'm gonna try to read this real good tonight. Matthew 25, verse number one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Let me get ahead of myself here and just give you the heart of what I'll be preaching about tonight. The difference in the wise and the foolish is clearly stated in our text. It was one thing, it was oil. The difference in the wise and the foolish was oil. Verse five, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. The Bible is an ever-flowing fountain of fresh illumination and revelation. Every day there's something new in this word. Can I get a witness? Don't you love the word of God? Tonight I preach to you on the subject, how wise were the wise? How wise were the wise? If you would, lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we pray for your anointing tonight at this most powerful, pivotal, pertinent moment in the history of the apostolic church. We pray the word of the Lord would come to us tonight and that you would ignite a revival and a refreshing, a renewing and an overflowing of your power such as would shake our world And this moment of prime opportunity, we praise you for it right now. And let the church say amen. I want to tell you this evening, as one, as your pastor, as one that travels the length of the United Pentecostal Church, the largest and the smallest, I'm attended to be with them. I'm here to tell you tonight, you need to slide up on the edge of your pews because God 
is doing unprecedented, miraculous, phenomenal works for this church. Clap your hands and thank God you're in the church tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo. You may be seated. Don't mean to offend anybody, but in my definition, interpretation of scripture, the wise represent the apostolic church. The wise represents the Holy Ghost field child of God. The foolish would be those that are lost it would not only be the lost in that respect, but it would also be denominational people. So tonight, I will make four points out of this message that I'd like for you to take home. As you hear what I preach, remember these four things. Number one, our text and our heartbeat tonight is to exaggerate the absolute necessity of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I feel that we need a renewal of the exact word of the Lord in the fact that we must be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Number two, the message will serve as a foundation for progress, advancement, and growth of the apostolic church. Number three, we need to understand where we are in this most pivotal moment of unprecedented potential of prophecy. If there's one passage of scripture that describes where we are as a body of the apostolic church, I believe it's Matthew 25. This parable tells us exactly where we are right now as I will show you tonight. And the final point is the demand of our day from a spiritually bankrupt world who is looking to a church like never before. Let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, you're gonna be shocked. You're gonna be astounded. You're gonna be in a state of pure ecstasy when you begin to realize who is receiving the Holy Ghost, how many are receiving the Holy Ghost, and who is coming in to the apostolic truth. I want you to know we are in a time of great harvest. Clap your hands and thank God for a great harvest. Let me quickly talk to you about, we, we exaggerate the foolishness of the foolish. Preach about that, emphasize that, exaggerate that. But we don't talk too much about really how wise were the wise. I want to bring points to your attention tonight to ask you how wise were the wise. First of all, relative to the absolute necessity of the Holy Ghost, let us be reminded that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let us be reminded that on the birthday of the New Testament church, not 50%, not 70%, but everyone there receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me remind you that the Bible says if we have not the spirit of Christ, then we are none of his. Christ in us is the hope of glory. 
just a little twist on that verse and then we'll move on. I want you to understand before time ever began, Christ in us was the hope of glory. Jesus Christ born in a manger was the hope of glory. The Christ being nailed to a cross was the hope of glory. The three days later resurrection was the hope of glory. The ascension out of this world and the outpouring of the spirit at Pentecost was the hope of glory. What I'm saying is everything God has done was so that you could receive the hope of glory and that is that you would have Christ in you. The hope of glory is Christ in you. Let us carry it just a little bit farther. To my knowledge in the scripture, and you bear with me here, I don't believe there's exactly one verse of scripture that you could read that just like I'm saying, says you must have the Holy Ghost to be saved. I don't think there's a verse in it reads just like that. Now stay with me. But I do know that Titus 3 and 5 says that it's not by righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, here it is, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I may not have a verse that allows me to say, you must receive it to be saved, but I do have a verse that says, you gotta renew it to be saved. And you cannot renew it if you have not received it. What I'm preaching to the church tonight is we are in a time of the absolute necessity of renewal of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's too many apostolics that's got a certificate on their wall that said 50 years ago they received the Holy Ghost. You need to get that thing out, blow the dust off of it, and be filled with the Spirit again tonight. There is nothing that would shake our world like everybody that claims the Holy Ghost getting a renewal of the Holy Ghost. Everybody shout, we're saved by renewing. We're saved by renewing. As a matter of fact, I learned a valuable lesson years ago. Now I know when I come here in this part of the world, I have to be careful because we speak two different languages. You see, from the South, if I come up here and ask for tea, they're gonna bring me something I despise and that is hot tea, sorry. I've offended folks. It's almost like preaching against Tim Hortons. I mean, you just, there's a lot of stuff you can preach up here, but don't touch that stuff. Don't touch Tim or touch T. And you want it hot. You know, when I come to the North, every time I order a soft drink or whatever, I always say, extra ice, please. Because in a land that's filled with snow and ice, they give you two cubes of ice. I don't understand it. You got more ice up here than the whole world's got. And when, when you get ready to serve a cold drink, you put two cubes in a, could I have another? Is it extra for another cube? Could I please have a glass of ice? And they look at me, dumb Southerners, every time. So tea is a misnomer. Tea really is a mystery to me. I've never understood it. You boil it to make it hot. You put ice in it to make it cold. You put sweetener in it to make it sweet. And lemon, I don't know what lemon does. Makes it bitter, I guess. I don't know. So I've always been an iced tea drinker. And years ago, I drunk iced tea with sugar in it. 
I know many of you are surprised I'm still alive, but I made it. I didn't put a little sugar in it. I put a lot of sugar in it. And one day I was having a meal with some preachers and I knew that I had put sugar in my tea, but when I took a drink, I almost sprayed everybody at the table. Because if you can drink that stuff without something in it, you're a better man than I am. It's just so strong. I almost choked. Oh, this is bitter. I know I put sugar in there. Then I looked at my glass. And in the bottom of the glass, there was about that much tea. Excuse me, that much sugar in the bottom of that glass of tea. It was then I got this marvelous revelation. It is not the sugar that sweetens the tea. Y'all ready? It's the stirring. It's the stirring. It's the stirring. It doesn't matter how much Holy Ghost you say you got in you. It has no effect. It has no power unless you stir it. That's why Paul said, stir up the gift that is within thee. I've come tonight to tell this great church that's full of Holy Ghost power, we need a stirring. The choir said we need a move, but in essence what they're saying is, God help us stir up the power, the effect, the glory, the influence. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we need to stir it up tonight. Get it active, get it moving. Get it effective in your life. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. So my question, let me hasten on. So my question tonight is how wise were the wise? How wise were they when although they had the oil, they slept with it? The Bible said they all slumbered. They all slept. Not just those that didn't have the oil, but those that had the oil were sleeping with it. Apostolic church, how wise are we if we have the power of God in us and we sleep with that power, with that potential within us? Bible said they all slumbered and slept. I've come to preach to you this evening. It's time for us as apostolics to wake up Wake up, take off your spiritual PJs and put on the whole armor of the Lord. It's time for everybody that's got the Holy Ghost to get activated, to get moved on, to get touched by, to be thrilled by, to be excited by, to be ignited by the power of the Holy Ghost. Luke 9, 32, the Bible says, in this text, 9 and 32 of Luke, but Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. As long as they were asleep, they didn't see his glory and they didn't see the men that were with him. I'm wondering how much are we missing by sleeping instead of being alert 
and awake and activated in God. As soon as they awoke, they saw his glory. I want to preach quickly that we need to be awakened to three things. Number one is who we are. Number two is what we have. And number three is why we have it. We need to awaken to the fact that we've got it. Number two, we need to awaken to what it is we've got. And number three, we need to awaken why God has given it to us. God has given this to us to shake our world. God has given this to us to make a difference in our generation. It's our time to rise up apostolics and realize we can make a difference in our world. Somebody shout yes. You know, sometimes we as Pentecostals get offended. We don't like it when people stare at us in public. You know, you go out to meetings, you go to a restaurant. When the Pentecostals walk in, at least it is that way down south. When we walk in, everybody in that restaurant walks, follows us by. Well, one reason when I come in, I'm saying, how you doing? Good to see y'all. My wife says, you know them? No, I don't know them. <laughs> y'all all right? Well, they're staring at me. <laughs> so y'all doing okay? Good to see you tonight. When I walk by, I see their heads. Do you know who that is? You know? My wife says, do you know who they are? I said, no, I don't know who they are, but they need to know who I am because I got it. Yeah. I've got the answer to their problems. I've got the answer to their dilemmas. There's a reason they're staring at you because they see something in you. They feel, don't be offended by it. Be complimented by it because they're realizing there's something very special about you. Clap your hands and say there's something special about us. I want to preach fast tonight, but I... I want to throw this in because I feel it is necessary. When Mordecai told Esther that she must intervene for her people, she said, I can't do that. I can't do that. She said, because there's only one law and if you come before the king when you've not been invited, then you'll die. She said, the law says, and she quoted it, whosoever comes in that has not been invited will die. And Mordecai said, Esther, you gotta go in there. You gotta intervene for your people. She said, I can't. He said, oh yes, you can. And yes, you will. Because there's one thing you need to understand, Esther. That law isn't talking about you. Read it again. It says, whosoever. Esther, you are not a whosoever. You just happen to be the bride of the king. We must not come to church and go home and live like a whosoever. We are not a whosoever. We can have what the world can't have. We can be what the world can't be. We can see what the world can't see. We can do what the world can't do because we are not a whosoever. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a peculiar people. And we're to show forth praise. Somebody shout yes. So how wise were the wise if they all slept? We must awaken to who we are and what God has done for us. 
We are living right now in an unprecedented spiritual awakening and an opportunity if we are proud or prepared to maximize the moment. I'm telling you, as I travel this fellowship, we are in an unprecedented prophetical moment of advancement. 1,000 received the Holy Ghost in one night at the Youth Congress. 36, 38, I don't know, thousands of youth were there. An unprecedented, I don't think it's ever been done in history where that many people gathered, young people gathered to magnify the name of the Lord. Slide on out on the edge of your pew now, folks, because we're in waters we've never been in before. I gotta preach to you. The world doesn't hate us anymore as far as the religious world. The denominational world is not against us anymore. They're ready for us to bring to them the oil that we have. So here's what's happening. The foolish suddenly became aware that they did not have what they needed. They were in deficit. They were in deficiency. They were in inadequacy. Our religious world is awakening right now to a spiritual deficit, a deficiency, an inadequacy, realizing that they don't have what is required. They have the lamps of human talent, the stage persona, the platform for professionalism, but they have no oil. They are realizing they've got everything they need, but all. And it's an amazing thing. Let me, let me go in and, and, and give you a little catch word to be watching. When they visit our church, this is what they say, pastors. They say, man, I love your church. There's so much energy there. Energy is a carnal way of saying anointing. They call it energy. Really, it's anointing. I was over in Mississippi a while back. Brother Carney told me a story that I love so much. I've enjoyed sharing it. He said a man came to their church, an elderly gentleman, who said, man, I love your church. It is so full of energy. He said the church that I attend is just a few old folks, and it's dead in last year's Christmas tree. He said, I'm telling you, it's, it's, there's no energy, there's no life in our church. He said, matter of fact, one of our members fell off the pew the other day into the floor with a heart attack. And when the first responders got there, they picked up three wrong ones before they got the right one. <laughs> our church must never be without the power, the demonstration, the moving, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need to preserve shouting, owl running, tongue talking, dancing, moving under the power of the Holy Ghost. The foolish cried, give us of your oil. What a moment of unprecedented privileged opportunity. But here's where it gets really sad. Notice this Incredible self-indicting response from the so-called wise. And that's why I say, how wise were they when they are embarrassing, when they are humiliating, when they are disappointing in the response to the wise? 
When the foolish came, the wise said, not so. Lest there be not enough for us and you. The spiritual world is coming and they are searching for a church that has more than they need and they have some extra to share. They're gonna bombard our buildings. They're gonna sit on our pews. But when they come, they're gonna be looking for a church that is not surviving, but a church that is thriving. A church that has some extra. A church that's got more Holy Ghost than they need. A church that's got more victory than they need. A church that's got more power than they need. A church that's got more faith than they need. A church that's got more of God than they need. We must have extra. We must have extra. Clap your hands and shout, we need extra. We need extra. We need Sunday school teachers that's got some to share. We need choir members that's got some to share. We need board members that's got some to share. Our world is crying and we must have more than we need. We must not live on empty with just enough to save ourselves and no extra. Too many apostolics run on empty and if they miss one church service, they're in trouble because they gotta have their fix. They gotta have their blessing. They gotta have their touch. God's looking for a church and the world's looking for a church. Pastors are looking for a church that can say, you don't need to pray for me, pastor, let's pray for them. You don't need to lay hands on me, let's lay hands on them. You don't need to pray me through, let's pray them through. You don't need to work with me, let's work with them. We must not become a maintenance church where that all we're doing is trying to keep the same folks saved. your neighbors say we need extra we need extra we need more Holy Ghost than just enough to get us to church more than just enough to get us in the prayer room more than just enough to help us live for God more than just enough for us to feed our devils more than just enough for us to overcome our problems more than just enough for us to pay our tithes we need to be more than enough we must have some extra they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, and they're looking for a church that's got extra. Clap your hands and shout, give us extra, Lord. The Bible said when they came, it was the dream of the church coming true. Everybody say the dream of the church coming true. 
Can you imagine a day when churches in town close on Sunday night to come to your church? Because we have heard it must not be when they come that they will find us with just enough for us. Just enough to keep us safe. Just enough to make us smile. Just enough to make us feel like we're ready for heaven. We need a church that's got extra. You boys right there on those two rows, come this way just a minute. I don't know how many bottles I got here, but this is the way it should have been. Come up here. When they started crying, oil. Shout oil, boys. Oil, give us up your oil. Give us up your oil. It should have been like this. I knew you were coming. We got plenty here. Ah, we knew that one day, one day you was gonna be wanting this. One day you were gonna be asking for this. One day you were gonna need this. And I just want you to know, we got plenty here. We got more than we need. We got extra here. We got more miracles than we need. We got more power than we need. We got more deliverance than we need. We are ready. Enjoy the water. We must have extra. We must have enough to make us run around the building. We gotta have enough to make us dance. We gotta have enough to make us shout. We gotta have enough to make us joyful. somebody say I want extra you may be seated I'll preach this a few more minutes the greatest gift God ever gave the ministry was the parable of the prodigal son (laughs) because most of us wouldn't have anything to preach if that wasn't in there how many sermons have you heard on the prodigal son and yet there's new Revelations all the time. What was it that brought the prodigal home? What was it that made him decide to get out of the hog pen? What was it that made him crucify his pride? Luke 15 and 17. The prodigal said, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's? Watch it now. Have bread enough. And despair. I perish with hunger. The thing that brought him home was he knew there was extra at the father's house. And he said, that's the servants. The servants have bread enough and to spare. How much more do the sons have in the father's house? If the servants have bread enough and to spare, the thing that made the prodigal come home is he knew there was a house where there was plenty. 
There's backsliders ready to come back, but they're looking for a church that's got extra grace, extra mercy, extra forgiveness, extra love, extra kindness, extra power of God. Lift your hands and say, God baptize us with extra. We need extra love for the backsliders. We need extra grace. We need extra mercy. We need extra forgiveness. We can't exhaust all of that on ourselves. We gotta have extra. Some to share. I'm sure it's not like this in Canada, but in Raleigh, North Carolina and other places where I visit prayer meetings, Almost every prayer meeting sounds like this. If you just walk through the audience, kind of lend an ear, this is what you'd hear in most apostolic prayer meetings. God help me. God save me. God forgive me. God heal me. And I just want to add this. In our prayer meetings now, it needs to be more than just about us. As we walk through the prayer room, if this is where you pray, we ought to hear the names of people called you don't know. God save John. God save Henry. God save Mary. God, we, there's an absence of calling names in prayer meetings. Most time it's God help me, God save me, God forgive me, God help me. But I want to tell you one of the strongest factors that turned Saul to Paul and founded the seven churches of Asia Minor, three missionary journeys. A man who saw stuff he couldn't tell. All of that was born in one event when there was a man named Stephen that was being stoned. And the Bible says in Acts 7 and 60 that they stoned Stephen. And this was his last prayer. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And his countenance was changed to that of an angel. And a man was standing there holding the cloaks of those that stoned him. And his name was Saul, that you would know better as Paul. But he watched as a dying man, having been stoned with rocks, and blood flowing from his body and his life easing out of himself with just enough breath to pray one more prayer, with just enough strength to pray one more prayer. 
lay not this sin to their charge. His last prayer was not for himself. His last prayer was because he had extra. He was living in a place where he didn't need to pray for himself last. It was his last breath of air that was coming out. And he didn't say, God, I didn't really mean to say that yesterday. God, I didn't really mean to do that. God, forgive me. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I know I'm dying. God, please have mercy. He had time for one more prayer. And he said, this is my last prayer. Lay not this sin to their charge. And I'm telling you, seven churches of Asia Minor were born in the spirit of a man. Three missionary journeys were born in the spirit of a man. A walking revival was born in a man because one man had extra... We can blame the foolish all day for leaving to go get what they needed. And while they were gone to get it, while they were gone to see if somebody else had it, while they were gone looking, the bridegroom came. And when they finally came back, they were excluded. My point is this, how wise were the wise? And how much were they to be held accountable for the exclusion of the foolish because the foolish had to leave because the wise said, we don't have enough to share with you. And while they were gone, it happened. We don't want anybody to come to this church and go to another one looking for somebody that's got extra. And while they're gone, the bridegroom came and the door was shut and they were left outside. Was it really the foolishness of the foolish or was it really how wise were the wise that they were not prepared for that moment? I feel a real heaviness of the Holy Ghost in this room tonight. I feel a real challenge of this great church in this room tonight. We must not rest on our laurels. We must not rest on anything that we're able to accomplish if we don't have extra, we need extra because they are coming. And when they come, they must find a church that's got some to share. Lift your hands right now and say, God, I need extra. God, I need extra. God, I want extra. I want more than just enough to make me live the standards. I want more than just enough to help me pay my tithes. I want more than just enough to get me to prayer meeting. I want more than just enough to know that I'm ready for the sounding of the trumpet. There's a world approaching our doors tonight and when they come, they're looking for a church that's got extra Lift your voice, cry out aloud, give us extra, Lord. When they come, we don't want to turn them away. 
because all we have is just enough for ourselves. We gotta have extra. We gotta have extra. I wonder how many would start standing to your feet across this auditorium and lift your voice tonight and shout, God, I need extra. God, I want extra. God, I want extra. God, I gotta have extra. More than just enough for me. More than just enough for my family. More than just enough for our children. They're gonna come. They're gonna cry. They're gonna search. They're gonna petition you. You've got it. You've got what we need. We finally realized it. We finally awoke to the fact that what you have is what we need. And when they come, they must not hear us say, not so. Lest there not be enough for us and you. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to this good church tonight, challenging you to make up your mind. I gotta have extra. Revival is in the overflow. There's gotta be more than I need. The thing that made Pentecost Pentecost is the fact that they were drunk, but not as you suppose, which means they had more than they needed. They had more than they could contain. Lift your hands right now and say, God, I want extra so that my last prayer could be somebody else. My last prayer would be for somebody else. I've got it, Lord. I don't need to pray one more prayer before I die. I pray for somebody that's lost. We must have extra. We must have extra. All over this room right now, lift your hands and say, God, give our church extra. God, give us extra. We need more than what we require. We need more than what our daily requirement is. We need the Shamaharakaya. We need the Holy Ghost flowing like a river. We need the power overwhelming. We need a spirit overtaking. We need it flowing down the aisles. We need it flowing through the pews. We need it in the foyer. We need it in the parking lot. We need it in our jobs. We need it in our homes. We need extra.